Hi everyone, it's good to be with you at CBC Online today. My name is Ellen Wilde, I'm a minister here at Chichester Baptist Church and it's a privilege to share some thoughts with you as part of our online service today. We are in the third and final week of a mini-series called The Search. Two weeks ago we were thinking about our search for God and how we search for him and can find him. Then last week we were thinking about the fact that God searches for us. Based on the story of Zacchaeus, we were thinking about how Jesus seeks and searches us out, even when we don't realise that he is. And today is called Searching Within. Based on Psalm 139, we're thinking about what it means that God searches our hearts, that he knows the very depths of us and the inside of us. I love uh, Psalm 139, it's a favourite I know for lots of people. People quote it, uh, especially the middle bit, where it talks about God knitting us together in, his mother, in our mother's womb and uh, knowing that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's a, a great psalm and read really well for us. But it's interesting that, this, interesting that this psalm is bookended at the beginning and at the end with searching. They're searching at the beginning and at the end of the psalm. Verse 1, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me, David says. There David makes a statement. He says that God searches us and he knows us. That's a fact. And then we come to the end of the psalm, the last two verses. Verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And that's not a statement, but a prayer. David asks God to search his heart. He prays searching for himself. He invites him in. He invites God to look in, to see if there is anxiety within him and to see if there is sin and offensive ways within him. In my family, we are really big fans of Where's Wally? Books like uh, this one. Do you know what? Hundreds and hundreds of these books have been made, but they've all got just one point. The point is that you look at each page and you try and find where Wally is. On pages where there are hundreds of people who look a bit like Wally, you have to find the right combination of stripy hat and scarf to see where Wally is. My kids and I have had hours of fun poring over the pages of Where's Wally? Books like that. There's something fun about searching and finding. But there's also something tricky about finding a particular person among the crowds when all the other people look very similar. How can God search out and know just one? In the crowds of millions of other similar looking humans, is it possible that God can search out and find and know me? I want to make just two points today, just two simple points from this psalm as we think about searching within. And the first thing to remind us from the psalm is that we are known. We are known. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. We are known by God. In the, in the where's wally of the human race, in amongst millions of other humans who, who look and, and act the same, is it possible that God knows me. David wrote this psalm during a time of opposition and difficulty and therefore the psalm contains truths that were important to David during that time of hardship. 
Maybe David was remembering being anointed by Samuel to be the king of Israel. You might remember the story where all of David's brothers were passed over and God says to Samuel, no, hang on a minute. God looks at the heart. God knows the heart. God knows us from the inside. David is drawing on the truth of omniscience, this idea that God is all-knowing during his hardship. And this truth that we are known is important all the time. It's one of the foundations of the Christian faith, that God knows us and that he loves us. If you're tuning in today, maybe you're not sure about the Christian faith. Maybe you're just investigating or thinking about it. I'd want to say to you that one of the bottom lines of the Christian faith is that there is a God who knows you and who loves you. But I think this truth has got extra resonance for all of us at the moment in this season we're in, in the middle of this global crisis, this pandemic, and in this lockdown season. Because it means that in this context we're known. In our isolation and our worry, we are known. In our fears about the future and our uncertainty, we are known. When we don't feel like we know what we're doing at work or in other, any other scenario, when we feel like we're just surviving, not thriving, we are known. When we are taking it out on the people that we're closest to because our emotions are all over the place, we are known. In this crazy, difficult, unprecedented time that we find ourselves, let's come back to the basics and remind ourselves that we are known by God and loved by him. Maybe you've had the experience of really getting into a, a TV series and getting really invested in the characters. I'm terrible for this. If I watch a series, I get so heavily invested in the characters, what they might do, what the outcome might be. It's as if I know them. It's as if I've got to know them and I'm really invested in the outcome. But of course I don't really. I watch a snippet of their lives from the safety of a sofa and a television screen. I don't really know what's happening in their situation. God, on the other hand, knows us more intimately than we know ourselves. He perceives our thoughts from afar, David says. He knows where we sit and when we rise. He's the one who knit us together and created us. We are truly known. And that is such a liberating truth at the moment. So the search within means that we are known. And it also means, secondly, that we are changed. We are changed. The first mention of searching in this psalm is a statement. David says, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. But the second is a prayer. And it's a dangerous prayer to pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is a dangerous prayer because when we pray, God, come and search us. We're inviting him in to change us. But of course it's dangerous, but it's also wonderful because our God is a God of transformation. And when we invite him in to change and transform us, he does. And that's just a wonderful thing. David, the King of Israel, has found himself in the middle of a really confused national situation. Tensions are running very high. And in the verses just before uh, these verses about searching in our psalm, David is, is basically saying to God, you know, God, it would be really good if you could dislay all the wicked people. All those people have taken your name in vain. I've had enough of those. They're like my enemies. I count them as my enemies. And it's almost as if David has a kind of self-check moment. Hang on a minute. These things I'm saying about others, has there been anything in me 
that's done that. Search me and see if there's any offensive way in me. It's much easier to see and point out the sins of others than the sins of our own. David sees the sins of the nation, but isn't it interesting that he sees the nation, but he prays personally. David knew that he couldn't ask God to make things right in the nation without asking God to make things right in himself. As I've been mulling over these verses, I've been thinking about how this applies to the issues of racial injustice that have come to the fore in recent weeks since the terrible death of George Floyd on May the 25th in the US. And there has been a tidal wave of understandable anger and emotion leading to protests all around the world. Here we are in 2020, and to our shame, racial injustice and inequality is still so prevalent. I found this personally very convicting and this uprising against injustice, it calls us all as Christians to speak out and to step up. Many of you will know a man called Bruno Condebecker. Bruno is a pastor here in the city of Chichester. He's lived here for 25 years, serving the city. And in the, in the light of all that was happening with Black Lives Matter, Bruno wrote to us as church leaders, asking us to listen and to pray and to act and to take Black Lives Matter seriously. And as church leaders here, that really resonated with us and we found that very convicting. And as part of that, Andy Morgan sat down with Bruno and interviewed him. We want to listen to what Bruno's got to say, to listen and to pray, and to think about what our response is to be. And I want to play a snippet of that interview for you now. The full interview can be found on our blog, and I'd encourage you to watch the whole interview. But I want to show a, a section of it, a few minutes section of it, where Bruno talks about how we as a church community can play our part in standing up and speaking out about racial injustice. Have a listen to Bruno and hear what he has to say. Um, I wonder if you could help us to think as a church community, how we can play our part, any advice you might have for us on what our part can be in aiming and praying for a more just and equal culture and society that we live in with this issue of racial injustice. Thank you, Andy. I think, you know, part of our learning, and that's me included, is, uh, you know, like I said on Saturday, about us taking the risk. You know, risk, and I spelled it as, uh, you know, I picked up this idea from, uh, you know, someone else in America, but the, the risk of, uh, you know, making sure that we develop relationships with uh, someone from another background and another race, you know, where we can. That's, uh, you know, the, the, then uh, uh, being intentional about it, not just waiting for other people to approach us and then do something, but we need to be intentional uh, about crossing the race barriers, you know, you know because someone looks uh, different, therefore we start making assumptions about them, but be intentional in finding out from them, you know, how are you doing and having a conversation. That's how we, we, we learn from others. And then to start 
um, the, the S is for starting, starting the conversation and the talking, uh, you know, to not other people, but that conversation within our homes within our family members. If we are young, let's talk to our parents and to our grandparents. If we are old like me, let's talk to our children and other um, people around us. And then um, the, the key is for us gaining knowledge. And for me, that's important because a lot of it is because we don't know any better and we have not been exposed you know, because exposed, when you are exposed to something, it leads you to a greater experience. And the Bible is full of uh, scriptures that talks about a God who embraces every culture. You know, Revelation 7 talks about, uh, you know, people from every nation, every tribe, and every language. So God embraces us. And uh, again, when he talks in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 about us being a new creation, it carries on to say that we have got the ministry of reconciliation. And for me as a Christian, I put it to everybody who is a Christian, that, that ministry, not just reconciliation to God, but bringing each other together and because the kingdom of God begins here on earth. And, you know, finally for us as Christians, the key thing is that we have to gain that victory on our knees by praying and praying for that transformation and for that knowledge to get in and for people to engage so that the next generation uh, is not going to have to be marching through Chichester or other cities asking for what seems to me quite clear is the basic human dignity of respecting each other. We might be different, but we are the same in God. It's so good to hear from Bruno. He's a godly man who I respect hugely. And I'd encourage you to listen to the full interview over on our blog. It's easy to find. It's our website, chichesterbaptist.org. You click then on blog and you'll find all our recent blog posts, including that interview. Have a listen and hear fully what Bruno has to say. In that snippet we heard, he talks about the vision of the kingdom of heaven, where every tribe and language and tongue is embraced and included. And it's interesting that Bruno in that, in that snippet talked about how so often injustice isn't necessarily um, conscious malice, but sometimes is a product purely of misunderstanding or our upbringing. None of us would condone racism. All of us would say that we are equal before God, regardless of skin colour, equal in God's sight. But it's not enough to say that racism is wrong. We need to take ownership and to repent of our own blind spots. Where white privilege has blinded me and us and to do our part in bringing about change, to ask God to show us if there are any prejudices in us. God, is there any offensive way in me? Forgiveness if we haven't acted as we should have to make a difference. You know, Bruno and I both have a 13 year old son and it cannot be right that there are privileges afforded to my son on the basis of skin colour that he does not have 
rather than character and abilities. But as God's people, we are called to stand up and speak out against racial injustice. Yes, all lives matter, but at the moment, it's time to speak out that black lives matter. It doesn't mean we don't campaign about other issues of injustice. It doesn't mean we condone the, the violent protests of a minority. But in doing so, let's not lose sight of the issue at hand, which is that black lives matter. And that we have, as Bruno said, a ministry of reconciliation. That's our role as Christians, to be reconcilers, to bring people together as a vision of what the kingdom of God is like. Praying like David did. Yes, God, please change our nation, but it's not just out there. It's God, change me. What is there in me that I want you to point out and to change? Search me and change me. I'm mentioning Black Lives Matter as one application, but when we pray, Lord, search us, he does, and we are changed. God will show any prejudices or sin in us and bring it to light so that we are transformed more into the image of Jesus. It's a liberating truth that our faith is rooted in knowing a God of transformation, that we are known and we are changed. As I finish, I just want to issue a challenge, I guess, to any of you watching today who wouldn't say you are Christians, who aren't really sure what following Jesus is all about. Just really glad to have you with us. We're hoping that our online Sundays are connecting with lots of people at every stage of faith. And I just want to say that following Jesus was the best decision that I ever made. And these two truths, knowing that we are known and that we can be changed, are at the heart of the Christian faith. That as we put our trust in Jesus, we receive his love, we know that we're known. And as we repent and say sorry for all the wrong that's in us, he comes in by his spirit to transform and change. And he gives hope and purpose and forgiveness, which at the moment I'm hanging on to in this season and that I'm so grateful for. And I'd love others to experience that and to explore that too. God bless you. It's been great to share with you today. In a moment, Andy Morgan is going to take up this theme about being known and being changed and help us to respond and help us to pray. He's going to show a spoken word video clip as part of that, which I encourage you to listen to and to pray about some of these issues that I've mentioned today. God bless you. I hope and pray that you would know that God knows you, that you are known and that you can be changed. Amen.